Welcome to Royal City Mission. We're glad that you're here with us in person and online. It's both, both are exciting. Um, but in person, we can feel it, so it feels a bit different, so. Um, if you're our first time with us here this morning, just um, I invite you to relax. We're not as scary as it seems. Uh, if any time you just need to step out, uh, you can welcome to go through those doors. There's coffee, water, snacks, and washrooms are in that hallway as well. Um, if you feel like people are looking at you, and it's not that we're judging you, it's that we're thinking, do I also need a refill uh, as you're walking out? So just feel free to get up and move around. Um, and welcome. It's good to be here. We're going to dive right in this morning into uh, our scripture passage, and it's reading from Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 1, so right at the beginning, and we're we're kind of, we're focusing on baptism. We're following a bit of the church calendar uh, still, so last week Kevin talked about Epiphany, which is the the wise men uh, giving their gifts to, to Jesus. And then it kind of shifts because we skip over, just like scripture kind of skips over most of Jesus' childhood and jumps right into his baptism. Um, And that's where we're we're gonna be spending our time this morning is talking about the baptism of Jesus. So Mark 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, one stronger than I, than I, than I am is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. About that time, Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee and and John, about that time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. While he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the spirit like a dove coming down on him. And there was a voice from heaven, you are my son whom I dearly love, in you I find happiness. At once, the Spirit forced Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among the wild animals, and the angels took care of him. The author of the book of Mark uh, doesn't start their rendition of the gospel with the birth of Jesus, like we read in Matthew and Luke, Luke's gospel. And he doesn't hearken back, or they don't hearken back, to the creation as the author of John does. Instead, they started a very different beginning at the baptism of Jesus. And that's historically baptism has been understood as a beginning. It's 
kind of a Christian initiation of sorts. Many have considered it the entry point into the Christian community, the right by which a person is identified as belonging to the body of Christ. I would struggle, like just my own convictions, I'd struggle with that necessary emphasis because that's what people have said, that baptism is necessary. Um, But I'm convicted that there's no place we can go to be apart from God. And so... While I don't think it's necessary, I do resonate with it being a beginning, a symbolic beginning, and it's kind of part of our tradition as Christians. And, but it's interesting, you know, that baptism, well, it's kind of this central beginning, beautiful practice, and it's practiced across denominations and across uh, traditions. It is maybe one of the most divisive Christian practices right? And it might not be the most, but it is definitely a contender, all right? See, we argue whether baptism should be carried out by immersion or sprinkling, right? Whether we should dunk or sprinkle. And if it's sprinkling, then there's the argument of what kind of water, and if it's immersion, then we argue about how many times you need to go down, right? So whether it's just once in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or in the Anabaptist tradition, one, two, three, each for the Holy uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if that's not enough, we argue about when, right? Like childhood or adult? Which one do we do? And then we really get taught up in how many times, because... Again, if you look at the Anabaptist tradition, it means rebaptized, or they were being baptized a second time, or three times. How many times? And then, if that's not enough, we, we argue whether standing water or moving water are necessary, right? Does it need to be done outside in a natural body of water, or can we do it inside in a heavily chlorinated hot tub, right? And then there's even movements who are like, no, it actually needs to be a very specific body of water. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, therefore only a baptism in the Jordan River matters or counts. And then we argue about what words need to be said by both the person baptizing and the person who is being baptized. And then we argue whether you can do it yourself. Some people baptize themselves in, the, in a spiritual moment, and people say that's not legitimate. And then there's traditions like the Salvation Army that have done away with baptism entirely because of its divisive nature and its inaccessibility for people, right? It, it's not something we really th- under, is normal to us, right? And all these nuances and distinctions about baptism, and you know what, I've probably missed some, which is appalling. Right? You know, we've disagreed as a church. We've drawn lines in the sand and said that this way is correct and the other way is so wrong it's not even Christian. We've used baptism to dismiss and exclude people. We say ridiculous things like if you don't start out right, you can't finish right, which is an absolutely absurd statement in the Christian faith. 
John, the, verse four of what we read earlier, Mark one, John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling people to be baptized to show they were changing their hearts and lives and want God to forgive their sins. John is calling people to, to practice baptism as a show of their change of heart. It's a symbol, a symbol of new life, a symbol of being reborn, a symbol of death. I was recently reading about baptism and I came across a story of a, a Russian Orthodox baptism. And the priests, they, they baptize children in, that, in, in their uh, tradition. And so the priest dunked a naked infant three times into cold water, right? And understandably, after the initial shock wore off, the baby screamed, right? I am very glad that this is not our tradition. Just, I don't want screaming babies, but it's theirs. You say, under, so this baby started screaming, and a visitor asked the grandmother of the child who was uh, being baptized, isn't there a more hospitable way to perform a baptism? The child obviously was screaming in discomfort and shock, right? And to which the grandmother replied, oh no, if the baby did not cry, the priest would have pinched him until they did. See, when babies are first born, the best sound to hear is the cry. It means they're breathing, they're alive, they're healthy, and baptism is birth. Like I said, I'm glad this isn't our tradition, but I do love that story, and I'm reminded of my, like, the experience of my own children being born, right? That sense of relief when you hear a cry is real. It doesn't last very long but it is real. Baptism is birth. It's an affirmation. And when we hear that, it's the cry of, it's the children, child's release, but it's also the parents, right? And baptism is a symbol of being reborn. And just as birth is a beginning, baptism is a beginning. For Jesus, it was the beginning of his public ministry. He didn't really do much before he was baptized. And for the others John was baptizing, it was the beginning of a life lived differently. And for many Christians over the last millennia, baptism has been a symbol of their beginning journey. And beginnings are important. But I think sometimes as Christians, we get caught up in, be in beginnings and confuse them for the end. No. I spent an inordinate amount of time looking for a quote that I wanted to put here um, about, from Soren Kierkegaard, who is a philosopher and theologian that I, I quite like and I haven't read recently, but I have read a lot of in the past. And you know, with Google, you'd think you should be able to find it really easy, but I must be remembering the words wrong because I couldn't. But this is Soren Kierkegaard's thing, right? Jesus called us to be followers, not fans. It was about picking up our cross daily and following Jesus in the everyday. It's not just about a rite of entry, about a beginning. It's not just paying lip service, right? And if you want more, you can pretty much read any Soren Kierkegaard, because that's what he talks about. Um, just couldn't find the quote. 
Paul wrote in, in Romans 6, or don't you know that all who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so too can we too can walk in newness of life. If we were united together in a death like this, we will also be united in a resurrection like his. This is what we know. The person that we used to be was crucified with him in order to get rid of the corpse that had been controlled by sin. That way we won't be slaves to sin anymore because a person who has died has been freed from sin's power. Baptism is a symbol of a beginning, the symbol of birth, but it's also a symbol of a death, of an old way of life ending. It's symbolic end to a slavery of sin, to the, the death of ourselves, right? Because a person who has died is freed from sin's power in our life. As I was reflecting on this, on the nature of being a beginning and also an end for us, not an end, a death, because that's the fun thing about Christianity is a death is just another beginning. It's not the end, because there's the resurrection that comes. But as I reflected on this, I was reminded of a, a, a parable I read a long time ago, and I was able to find this one, thank goodness. But it's a parable uh, written by the author Brian McLaren, and I know he can be a controversial figure in, in Christian faith. Um, and if you don't like him, that's fine. But I think this parable has merit for us. Let me read it to you. Once upon a time, in a land of boredom and drudgery, exciting news spread. There is going to be a race. And all who run this race will grow strong, and they'll never be bored again. Exciting news like this had not been heard in many a year, for people experienced little adventure in this ho-hum land beyond attending committee meetings, waiting in lines, sorting socks, and watching, watching reruns. Excitement grew as the day of the race grew near. Thousands gathered at the appointed town at the appointed place. Most came to observe, skeptical about the news. It's too good to be true, they said. It's just a silly rumor started by some teenage troublemakers, but I'll stick around to see what happens anyways. Others could not resist the invitation, arriving in their running shorts and shoes as they waited for the appointed time. They stretched and jogged in place and chatted amongst themselves with nervous excitement. At the appointed time, they gathered at the starting line, heard the gun go off, and knew it was time to run. And something curious happened. The runners took a step or two or three across the starting line and they abruptly stopped. One man fell to his knees crying, I have crossed the starting line. This is the happiest day of my life. He repeated this again and again and even began singing, singing a song about how happy this day was for him. Another woman started jumping for joy. Yes, she shouted, raising her fist in the air. I am a race runner. I am finally a race runner. She ran around jumping and dancing, getting and giving high fives to others who shared her joy at being in the race. Several people formed a circle, prayed quietly, thanking God for the privilege of crossing the starting line. 
thanking God that they were not like the skeptics who didn't come dressed for the race. An hour passed and two spectators began to mutter and some laughed. So what do you think this race is, they said. Two or three strides and then a celebration? And why do you feel superior to us, treating the starting line as if it's the finish line? You've completely missed the point. And a few more minutes of the silliness passed. You know, a spectator said to the person next to her, if they're not going to run the race, maybe we should. Why not? It's getting boring them watching them hang around just beyond the starting line. And I've had enough boredom for one life. Others heard them and soon were kicking off their dress shoes, slipping out of their jackets and throwing all the unneeded clothing to the grass. They ran past the praying huddles and past the crying individuals and past the jumping high-fivers. And they found hope and joy in every step and they grew stronger with every mile and hill. To their surprise, the path never ended because in this race, there is no finish line. So they were never bored again. Baptism is a symbol of a beginning. It's a new birth. It's the beginning of a new race. It's a death to what we were. It can be practiced and is practiced in a number of different ways, right? Across many different traditions. And of course, a beginning is crucial to any journey, right? A journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, as it said. But our journey in following Christ has never been about a one-time experience just about the beginning or just about a single death. It's a lifelong journey. It's a thousand decisions. It's a thousand times we die to ourselves. It's all those tiny decisions we make, whether we will make them in the light of the love, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, or we'll make them for ourselves. I hope that as a church, we could be people who celebrate the beginnings and celebrate them well. Maybe even with the baptism, if you want. We'd love to do that, because it is a beautiful and meaningful tradition. But I hope that's not what we're known for, and I hope that's not how we measure ourselves. I hope we can be a community, a church that is known for journeying well, for making the thousand decisions to follow Christ each and every day. Or as the author of Hebrews says, that we can be a people who run the race that is set out before us with endurance, coming to the table each and every day. Let's just pause and pray, and then we'll have some response. So if you have something you'd like to say or a question, we'll pass around a microphone. Let's just pray before we get there. Lord God, thank you for showing us the way, for being an example to us. Thank you for this symbolism of baptism, that it reminds us of a new beginning, of birth and of death. Thank you for what you've called us to. I pray that we would be a people of love. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Any questions, response, pushback?
whichever. Well, so, okay, part one is I'm reminded uh, you were talking about a lot of the theological debates around baptism, and I just started thinking about a lot of the theological debates around salvation. Some traditions hold that once you are saved, whether that's by baptism or by something else, that's an entirely another can of worms. You, some people say that you can't lose your salvation. Some people say you can lose your salvation. And there's a whole bunch of other cans of worms around each of those sorts of things. It turns out humans are really good at arguing with each other, especially if they're Christian. So for me, what I, what I find most interesting about this quagmire is where Kierkegaard sort of situates himself. He doesn't speak in terms, at least not in my reading of him, of losing one's salvation necessarily, but he does observe various kinds of, for lack of a better word, living as a Christian incorrectly that entails that one might as well not be a Christian at all. And for Kierkegaard, what a lot of that comes down to is a kind of um, drowsiness, lack of activity, um, to invoke a very controversial sort of phrasing, um, a dead faith by virtue of not doing any works. And so he doesn't really answer the question, can you lose your salvation? But he says, perhaps if one isn't running the race at all, what was the point of starting in the first place? Okay, I'll do a part one and a part two as well. <laughs> <laughs> part one is just, uh, I've had the song Closing Time going through my head since we started talking about beginnings and endings. Right? That every new beginning is some other beginning's end. Nice. I, I know it's not Kierkegaard, but it's a great quote. And uh, kind of to the point is the race, or is, or, you know, is it worthy if you don't run the race? What's the point of starting? Well, uh, to kind of map it to an actual example of someone who started running. I, uh, I, I have been running for uh, like long distance running, marathon and trail, ultra marathon running for about 15 years now, but uh, I'm 48 years old, so I didn't start running, or I didn't run my first race till I was 30, my first race till I was 33 years old. And I like to think that uh, the first 33 years of my life was preparation to cross the starting line. And I didn't finish that race. I injured myself and I wasn't able to finish. I'm still very, very glad that I started that race. Yeah. Right. I think sometimes we get, uh, we get caught up in our expectations of what the race should look like, right? And that's where we, we maybe miss it a bit, because we think this is how it should be, but it's not. Tom? I, I was just thinking of the parallels between the, how those race runners acted just after they started the race and I was thinking about marriage and like if that was your reaction the day after you got married that'd be an interesting marriage pretty quick and it's like there's yes it's the beginning yes it's a celebration but there's a lot of work and it 
it's not, if you just like, yay, we're married, yay. Uh, might not be married very long. <laughs> so I just, I, that made me chuckle. Yeah. There's the interesting parallel. Oh, I don't, we're not going far, okay. I find the race is as much orienteering as it is following a path. After he handed the microphone away, he said, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Sorry to out you, but that was probably the most beautiful thing I've heard all morning. And again, like I do, I don't diminish the, sim, the sim, I don't want to diminish the symbol, symbolism of baptism. And if people are interested, that is something uh, like Easter's coming up. We'd love to have a baptism service. If you haven't been baptized and you're like, I'm intrigued, we'd love to talk to you about it. Um, because it can be a beautiful beginning. I know for myself, like I, I was baptized when I was 19, I think. Um, but I had like had a profession of faith for years before that. I just really didn't want to do it because it was expected of me. Shocking, I know. Um, and but it was it was a beautiful moment and an incredible letdown. The skies didn't open. There were no doves. I was shocked by. <laughs> no. Um, but it, 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 for me, it does stand out, and I do hearken back to it and remember that it's like that was a decision I made. And so if that's something you're interested in, we'd love to talk to you more about that, either Kevin or myself, or you can reach out to one of the elders. So let me send you off with a, a blessing, and then we'll, you're welcome to hang out, drink more coffee, and chat. Lord, bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his face to you and grant you peace. Go in the life and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.